Alright guys, what's up? Minero Mateo, welcome back to the channel. I've been working on the Digital Currency Group video, as you can see right here. A lot of stuff to go through there. I mean, that's probably going to be like a five-hour video. I mean, I thought about uh, splitting it up, but honestly, there's just so much to go through that I may just intertwine it all together, and when you get a nice Saturday afternoon, maybe with, uh, you know, sweet little honey, instead of going to the movies, you can just watch my video on the Digital Currency Group. Dig down the rabbit hole a little bit, and then maybe you'll dig into a rabbit hole yourself. So, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, yep, there's a lot of news coming out about Bitcoin that we're going to get into here. And, yeah, there's some stuff going on with the IRS setting up honey traps for people, and they get caught using Bitcoin. Again, if you're on the dark web, I don't know why you aren't just using Monero. <laughs> okay, it's just not that hard. Just make the adjustment, make the flip, so that you don't get caught up in the Pooh Bear's honey trap, right? So, yep, that's going on. And then we're going to talk about El Salvador. There's some really sketchy stuff going on with that that you need to be aware of. Because if what is going on there comes here or it starts to expand... That's going to be worrisome. Uh, that's not going to be pro-freedom. That's not going to be pro-privacy, as a lot of people think. And I actually, I find that there's a lot of dishonesty going on in the digital realm, in the Bitcoin realm. And I just think that people need to stop being high on the gains, and they need to pay attention to what all this means for human freedom, because the new financial system, which is coming out, is going to integrate artificial intelligence, blockchain, and other control systems in order to make it so that you are a neo-feudal serf in a new scientific global dictatorship. That is what's happening. And so that's why we have the Monero First Movement. That's why we are really trying to get people into this sector, which is like, the whole sector is worth $12 billion right now. Okay, and we talked about this in our last video. Uh, there's just so much room to run. So if you're all about the gains, I mean, look, this is the place for you. But it's more than that. It's about freedom. And it's about creating a parallel economic system, which allows people like me, presumably a lot of people like you, to have a chance to survive and thrive in this brave new world. And so that's what we're trying to do here. Um, so good content coming today, some stuff to share with you. Good content coming next week. Uh, a lot of people have reached out to me to talk about Haven, Darrow, Pirate Chain. So we've got interviews like that coming in the mix. Oh, sorry, I just had Panera. Oh, dude, they got them candy cookies. Oh, my Lord. Amazing. We love Panera. But, yeah, uh, so good stuff happening. Good stuff happening. We've got that interview going on with Arctic Mine, who is a Monero developer, coming on Friday, God willing. And so that's going to be good content, too. So before we dig into the content, guys, just make sure you like these videos so that they move up in the algorithms. Subscribe if you think freedom and big gains is for you, but mostly freedom, guys. I mean, we want to keep things based. We want to keep things oriented towards the things which actually matter because none, none, none of the gains really matter if we don't have freedom, right? So if this is for you, subscribe to the channel, share the links, donate below at the addresses that I have there. And so, yeah, with that being said, let's dig into the content. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Make sure you comment if you find this stuff interesting. And, yeah, let's rock and roll. So here we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging into a lot of stuff here. So where it... <laughs> Where's the tab? There we go. So, the IRS goes undercover as a Bitcoin trader in a $180,000 sting. And, yeah, they're going to do that. They're going to get you caught up in things. So, let's go ahead and read a little bit of this. On the hunt for tax cheats, fraudsters, money launderers, and dark web substance dealers, the 
IRS has sent an undercover agent to work on a market for trading Bitcoin, Ether, and other cryptocurrency. And so, remember, all these things are tracked and traced. And it, it's still shocking how many people still don't know this. And then they think the Lightning Network is private, which uh, there are many issues with that. If you want more info on that, check out our Patreon Look at our Lightning Network report. We've done a lot of research into that. In a search warrant viewed by Forbes, back to the article, an undercover IRS agent went by the name of Mr. Coins on localcryptos.com, a platform exchanging cryptocurrency for dollars and other fiat currencies. Mr. Coins profile, still alive at the time of publication, had 100% positive feedback after shifting up to $200,000 in digital money. Right, so localcryptos.com. And there are other websites that you could go to like that, uh, which are peer-to-peer. And there's local Monero, there's local Bitcoins, which I'm not sure if people still use local Bitcoins. Let me look this up. That might have gotten shut down. Local Bitcoin. Uh, Okay, so it still exists. But I've heard they've had issues. Let's take a look at the Wikipedia so yeah, hackers, and then Bitcoin's got registered as a virtual currency provider, so Finland's doing some work with that. So yeah, maybe that's still okay. Uh, okay, so yeah, that's that's something to look into. But yeah, I mean, I generally don't try to use these. It's best to just wait for the atomic swaps to come out, which we talked about in the previous video. But anyways... Uh, back to the article, but his biggest success may have been to take down an alleged dark web drug de- or ah, substance dealer, whatever, tracking him into sending more than $180,000 cash to the IRS in exchange for cryptocurrencies. Now, what cryptocurrencies? Well, Bitcoin, because Mr. Coins is a genius. Mr. Coins put up an advertisement offering to buy Bitcoin via cash by mail and above market prices. All sellers had to do was get in touch over encrypted messaging apps WhatsApp, I would not use that if you're looking to have private conversations. Uh, Jim Brer is in many cases behind that. And Facebook, by the way. So I don't know why you would think that would be a place to converse about things like this. Shortly after, a person going by the name of Lucifallen21 got in touch to inquire about the ad, according to the search warrant. Yeah, it seems like the type of main name that would get people in trouble. The IRS, without saying how, determined that Lucifallen 21 was actually Evansville, Indiana resident Chase Height. Uh, by July, he'd agreed to buy from Mr. Coins, wrapping up $15,000 in cash and clothes, putting the money in a box and posting it to the agent in exchange for approximately 1.59 Bitcoin, according to the government's account. So, yep, they're tracking you, they're tracking you, and... I'm just going to skip to the part of this article which I find relevant. So here, right here, I mean, this is just perplexing to me. More payments came in with nearly $20,000 posted in August in exchange for approximately 1.34 Bitcoin and 45.2 Monero, another cryptocurrency that promises better privacy protections than its rivals. It does. It is amazing. We love it. But my question here is, (laughs) why not just flip your Bitcoin for Monero using various means with which that can happen. Um, I mean, you can go on like, well, I'm not going to out any particular exchange, but it can be done. You can flip your Bitcoin to Monero, but why would you not just, if you're doing stuff like this, use just Monero. I don't understand this. Why would you tag Bitcoin in there? 
I mean, anyone who still is using Bitcoin in regards to stuff like this is an idiot. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows it can be tracked and traced. And so, yeah, just, I mean, get with the program, right? So back to the article. Come March this year, investigators were getting ready to hone in on the conclusion to a sting operation. And, yep, 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 yep. There was something else here. Up, uh, the, so up here, I don't know if I emphasize this. The IRS, without saying how, quote-unquote, right? You know, who knows how they did it, but I suspect it maybe had something to do with Bitcoin. Uh, or tracking his phone number. Maybe they got some information from an exchange that maybe was tracking the Bitcoins going to his wallet. So all these things to be considered. Uh, yeah, don't do this, guys. Don't do all this stuff. We don't like that here on this channel. When the last package arrived, forensics took fingerprints and licked them to height. So fingerprints, I'm not sure if that's as deterministic as I've heard it to be or as the movies say it is. I've heard there are a lot of problems with the fingerprints method to identifying people, but... Again, he's using Bitcoin, so, yeah, I mean, he could probably be identified. Uh, he was arrested. Uh, local cryptos hasn't responded to requests for comments. And so, yeah, you got caught using Bitcoin, just as many other people have. And we've been through this story also. Uh, earlier this year, it has been revealed that the agency had organized a payment to a service called Bitcoin Fog, which offered to launder money. Through Bitcoin mixers, which I suspect are going to have a huge amount of regulatory pressure come upon them in the future. And that's sort of like the out that a lot of people, like a lot of Bitcoin people give when it's just like, yeah, Bitcoin isn't private. And it's just like, oh, well, you can just use a coin mixer. You can use CoinJoin, et cetera, et cetera. Well, uh, how long before they crack down on wallets which use coin joining and these other mixing service because they don't comply with AML? So... That's my question. I suspect that is going to be coming. And so, that being said, they don't even mix up your coins well enough to offer you privacy as good as Monero or Pirate Chain or some of these other uh, cryptos in the space. So, I don't know why, if you're shooting for privacy, you wouldn't just use Monero. Like, why are you going through all these extra layers of complication to make your Bitcoin private when we all know it's just extra headaches. And when you've got people like this, Bitcoin Fog, who on the dark net is offering Bitcoin mixing services, even he's getting caught. Okay, so how confident are you? The agents said they wanted to launder cryptocurrency. They earned by doing bad things. And so, yeah, they found him. They found this other guy too. And yeah, they're finding everybody. So, yeah. A, don't do anything illegal, disclaimer. But B, if you want to do private stuff, uh, just use Monero, which, by the way, is in perfect compliance with Perkins Coie. And I had actually posted this on Brian Armstrong's post about how the SEC is going after him. And I was like, hey, Brian, how you doing? Uh, did the SEC also tell you not to list Monero on your exchange? Because that is kind of what it seems like. It's been shown that Monero can be in perfect compliance with uh, AML laws in regards to anyone who wants to support Monero. So it's unreasonable that you don't have it on your exchange, Coinbase. You should get on that. 
So we'll see if that happens. Pretty doubtful. And by the way, Coinbase is ah, funded by the Digital Currency Group. So that's something to consider. And we'll be getting into that later this week. So another story. And this is one of the stories that I was reading about a couple weeks ago. This is a little bit dated, but it's still relevant to where things are going. I was seeing a lot of uh, posts on Twitter regarding this story. And a lot of people are just hand-waving it off. It's just like, oh, whatever. You can't track this. You can try if you would like. And they just had this like devil-may-care attitude. It's just like, you guys can't stop Bitcoin. Well, we'll see about that. A lot of people are pretty confident about this. I don't see why. I don't see why. I mean, there are a number of different strategies that they could deploy in order to rein this stuff in. Unrealized capital gains taxes, uh, really regulating the on and off ramp so that it's going to be very impossible, or I w- I'm not going to say impossible, people always figure things out, but it's going to be unreasonably difficult for average people to go through the hoops necessary in order to maintain privacy and perhaps even ownership in Bitcoin. I mean, we're looking at what's going on in El Salvador, which we're about to get to here in a little bit. Um, ownership of your crypto is not going to be uh, maybe as obvious as people think. I mean, a lot of people are actually at the level right now where they think that they could keep their funds on an exchange and they own it. And they don't even realize that they don't have the private keys. And with as often as these exchanges go down, especially during volatile periods, more specifically, when the price is going down, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's not good. And we've talked about this a lot on the channel. Um, you know, if you move your funds off an exchange, you know, it could be classified as a high-risk activity, especially if you're taking those funds to a wallet and then taking it to Trade Ogre. People have actually received notifications from exchanges saying that we don't want to do business with you anymore because you've taken your funds off our exchange to take it to another exchange called uh, trade ogre or you know maybe another exchange which doesn't have the same level of kyc and so they consider that high risk and then they ban you that's how much they trace your cryptos going off the exchange and who knows maybe at some point they say oh if you take a certain amount of your funds off the exchange and they're already limiting ever more uh the ability for you to get your funds off the exchange by increasingly setting up uh ever more stringent limitations as to how much crypto you can take off, as we've seen with Binance, for example, uh, that could be an ever more prominent issue. So let's get to the story. EU will make Bitcoin traceable, and I don't know why they say they're going to make it traceable. It already is. And banned anonymous crypto wallets. Right? Okay, so let's read this story. Cryptocurrency exchanges like Binance... Uh, Coinbase and Kraken could be forced to collect the details of people sending and receiving crypto. They already do, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, But maybe they will have to do it in Europe. The EU's executive branch announced the potential change on Tuesday as an effort to fight financial crime. The aim of this package is to improve the detection of suspicious transactions and activities and close the loopholes used by criminals to launder illicit proceeds, blah, 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 right? The classic same old story. If you use crypto, you're probably a criminal. It's like when John Oliver came out against Monero. He's just like, you buying Monero? I mean, it's like you going to Home Depot to buy a plastic tub that's the shape of the human body. And it's just like, you know, they want to make it assumed that if you're using crypto... And especially if you're using private crypto like Monero, uh, then you're a criminal. When we all know that if 
it's not private on the base layer, then it has fungibility issues. And most Bitcoin people even admit this. And if it has fungibility issues, then you have issues in regards to the sophistication and the ability to validate the values on the accounting ledger, which is all Bitcoin is. So moving on, the proposed rules would require cryptocurrency exchanges to collect customers' identifying information, bringing them in line with KYC rules already imposed on other financial institutions. So yeah, it's going to be coming. And there are some people who respond to stuff like this and they say, Oh, well, uh, we could just set up exchanges in different countries. And I was arguing with somebody last night about Monero versus Bitcoin. And that's a fun thing to do on Peter Schiff's threads because you have a lot of Bitcoin maxis and fanboys being like, Peter, you're so stupid. Uh, but like, um, you know, I'll argue with them and say, hey, you know, Bitcoin's actually inferior to Monero. It's a good place to debate, right? Maybe I'll get the attention of Peter Schiff. I'll come on the show. That'd be great. But um, yeah, they'll, they'll be like, uh, you know, whenever, wherever there's an issue with regulation, we'll just go to another country and I'll bring up how Bitcoins have been blacklisted by authorities. And then they'll say, oh, well, if miners are having issues with the authorities wanting to blacklist things, they'll probably just go to a different country. One, that's probably not going to happen because a lot of these um, Bitcoin mining firms are increasingly being run by people like the Digital Currency Group, Blockstream, and other companies which have a lot of relationships with international governments, number one. Number two, uh, there are investors which are heavily invested in these mining operations, especially if they're corporations, right? And it's not going to be so easy to move your corporation to another country. And just because, you know, the government says you can't mine certain coins, I mean, that's not most of the coins, presumably. Maybe it'll break a critical threshold in the future and they will move. But for the most part, they're about making profit. They're not all about, uh, you know, maintaining and upholding the virtues and the values which were upheld by Satoshi Nakamoto and the anarcho-capitalist apostles that all transactions should be allowed in a free world and, you know, all this stuff. They just want to make a profit. And so it's unlikely they're going to move if it just comes down to not processing a certain number of transactions, right? And so, yeah, and then roots are made. A lot of roots are being planted here in the United States and in Canada. And you already have the establishment of regulations coming down on these firms. And global carbon taxes are going to kick into that. We already have global minimum taxes. So even if they do move to a different country, well, they'll probably have to pay some global tax, which is coming in the future. And then you've got FATF. Right, And we've talked about FATF before. More than 200 countries and jurisdictions are committed to these AML laws and recommendations set by FATF. So, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be hard to escape all that stuff. And so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not as easy as you think to get away from all this stuff. And it's not really that big of an issue for Monero because with Monero, you can just flip open a laptop wherever you are in the world and mine it privately. And now we have peer-to-peer -peer private pools where, yeah, it's ever more decentralized. It's ever more resistant to attack. The hash rate is going up and up and up. So you have more and more security on the Monero blockchain. That's another piece of news that we need to get to. There's just so much great news happening for Monero. I can't even keep up. But yeah, I mean, it's just a way better mining operation in Monero than Bitcoin. And you really don't need to worry too much about a lot of the stuff that's happening. Because it's not going to be institutionalized, presumably because you don't need $10,000 ASICs rigs and all these things, right? So getting back to the article, how this affect cryptocurrency 
The proposed law would apply these rules to the entire crypto sector, forcing service providers like crypto exchanges to carry out due diligence on their users. And they already do. Uh, this would bring crypto assets in line with bank transfers, applying what is known as the travel rule to crypto transactions to make them traceable. In practice, this means that a service provider exchanging crypto on behalf of a customer would have to record their name, address, date of birth, and account number, as well as the name of the intended recipient of the transfer. Now, I'm not sure if this is referring to transfers which are being made from the exchange to the exchange participant who is buying from the exchange, or if that includes the exchange participant, the customer, sending those funds off the exchange. Right Now, if that's the case... Uh, it's going to disincentivize people from taking their funds off an exchange because most people take their funds off an exchange to just have their funds be in a private wallet. And if they are going to ban, as it said here, anonymous crypto asset wallets, well, how are you going to get your funds off the exchange is my question. And atomic swaps are coming from Monero and Bitcoin, but with all this stuff happening, uh, I'm not sure why people would want to exchange their Monero for Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin's a bigger liquidity pool, but with Havano coming out, uh, and probably Havano and the atomic swaps are going to be developed and adopted in a similar rate. And if Havano comes out and you have a lot of liquidity in Havano, which is what I predict, especially as KYC and AML picks up for a lot of these exchanges, and as these exchanges continue to have bugs whenever there's volatility, and you know fees are high and things like this, a lot of people are going to go to Havano. And... Why would you want to exchange for Bitcoin? Why would you need to have a big liquidity pool with which to exchange for other cryptos when you could just exchange for cryptos with Monero and Havana? And we talked about that in the last video. Check that out. But yeah, yeah, just more bullish news for Monero. Uh, and it's unclear how it is you're going to be able to easily take your funds off an exchange. And with the regulations going on in Congress right now, and the regulations which are likely to come, it could be that they make it very difficult for you to take your funds off an exchange. Right. And so that may hamper adoption. Um, and it could make it so that Bitcoin is that much more integrated into the new global financial system that they're coming out with, which is going to be heavily influenced by blockchain, AI and stuff like that. Uh, am I still recording? Cool. Yeah. So just things to consider here. And this is going to take a in 2023 something like that who knows what the world is going to look like by then hopefully we're all still here and joyful and jolly but we'll see what happens so this is Reuters. we're moving on to the el salvador news uh central banks of honduras guatemala eye digital currencies as el salvador launches bitcoin and are they eyeing digital currencies in regards to bitcoin no they're talking about central bank digital currencies as far as i'm able to glean from this article and so the central bank presidents for Honduras and Guatemala both said the banks were studying digital currencies with the aim of eventually introducing them into the economy, including a via central bank digital currency. Right. And so it's interesting. It, and I talked about this in my last video. I'm unsure if all this stuff going on in El Salvador, because El Salvador has for a little while, as far as I have been able to glean through my you know, short uh, lived study of El Salvador and its history has been somewhat of a client state of the United States, just like many other South American countries. And so maybe all this stuff with the IMF and the World Bank is theater. Um, and it could be that this is just one way of saying, cool, uh, countries are now adopting digital currencies to use 
here's the experiment. Maybe this is time to introduce digital currencies. And so looks like maybe Honduras and Guatemala are taking after that. Most people in these countries probably aren't going to understand the difference between Bitcoin and, you know, a central bank digital currency, which is issued by their government. I mean, given that El Salvador has a custodial wallet for everybody in the country, they can see it as pretty much being the same thing. And so that could be somewhat of a Trojan horse to introduce that to their people. We'll see what happens. I'm still just kind of open-minded in regards to this stuff. But the stuff we're about to get to to with El Salvador and how they're rolling this out uh, is pretty concerning as somebody who's into privacy and uh, decentralization. We'll get to that, but let's read this first. El Salvador on Tuesday made history with its adoption of Bitcoin's legal tender. Uh, though the launch of its government-backed digital wallet hit snags, including technological glitches and an angry protest by mistrustful citizens. And we've talked about this before, where uh, most of the citizenry, more than 50%, do not want the adoption of this uh, program. Like, they don't want Bitcoin to be part of their economic program. And it's being forced down their throats. If somebody is offering you Bitcoin... Uh, for a good and service that you are providing, then you have to take it according to the law. And so uh, a lot of citizens don't like that. Maybe they're not that technologically savvy. Maybe this is just making them nervous because they have to comply with the law. Maybe they don't quite understand uh, the technical elements of. Um, but we'll see how that turns out. But if this doesn't turn out well, and we're already st seeing a lot of glitches, which we're going to get to in a sec, then it could be that uh, this really costs political points for the president over there. And it could also be very bearish for Bitcoin, right? Because if other countries see this disastrous rollout and they see how angry the citizens get over this, they're going to be less inclined to do it themselves, um, especially if they have a lot of reliance on the IMF and the World Bank and other countries, which have probably loaned them a lot of money for their own economic industrial development. And so if they cut off the IMF and the World Bank, which is a main lifeline of, uh, uh, of liquidity and economic assistance, well, that could be very risky for them. So, yeah, I mean, he's risking a lot by doing this. And seeing the price go down, and I, I think that the Bitcoin price is now below his average entry point. Uh, that's just not good for him like let's let's see what bitcoin is at right now i believe his average <coughs> excuse me i believe his average uh purchase price for bitcoin is about uh fifty thousand. i want to say i mean he bought the dip a little bit more at 47 and now it's at 46 and a half we'll see where it goes um and with everything going on in the market with the dollar being a little bit bullish right now um and oil being a little bit bearish. I'm not sure what we're about to go into, to be honest with you. It could be that we're going into another lockdown round. Hopefully, I, I pray that's not the case because that's just ridiculous. I mean, if they do that, but we'll see what happens. Risky move. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, the Central Bank of Honduras has also recently, recently begun approved by the board of directors uh, to initiate the study. And I believe most central banks around the world are studying the implementation of a digital currency. This is not new news. And there's this weird, I suspect this propaganda narrative 
that is saying that, oh, because due to the rise of Bitcoin and Ethereum and some of these other uh, popular cryptocurrencies, which are being adopted by a lot of uh, market participants and retail investors, uh, we decided to go along with the times. We decided that, you know, we want to uh, also play along with this new digital revolution and introduce our own central bank digital currencies. It makes sense. What an efficient technology. And they've been working on this stuff, guys, for a long time. So don't be fooled by that narrative. This is all part of their plan. And so we'll see how they integrate a lot of this stuff into it. Going on to the next uh, piece of news here. This is talking about El Salvador's issues that they're having with the Chivo wallet, which is the wallet that they're using. So if you want to get your Bitcoin out of this Bitcoin bank, which is essentially what this is, it's like a central bank for Bitcoin in El Salvador, the, the only wallet provider, uh, you can use $30 Bitcoin to send off-chain, but you have to send it back and forth three to five times. So you have to send it from one wallet to another three to five times before you're allowed to take it off onto uh, the main chain onto your own private wallet. And so that is confusing to me. I'm not sure why that's the case. So native segwits being used. And so here's a privacy issue which caught my attention. The lightning invoices generated by Chivo contain the full legal name of the creator of the invoice. This to me seems like a privacy issue that should be dealt with. And remember, a lot of people are like, oh, the lightning network, it's totally private. Clearly not. <laughs> this is an issue, right? Now, it could be an issue with the wallet and maybe not the network itself. Maybe it's an issue with the node. Uh, if you guys are more technical in regards to that, please leave a comment. Uh, name is whited out, but it is in the description field. So maybe this is just an easy fix. We'll see. Um, and so these are just more bugs. Potential bug, another bug, Chivo app appears to have a minimum send amount for both on-chain and Lightning. We feel that this is created for on-chain BTC, but was mistakenly applied to Lightning as well. Another bug, Chivo send, tends to send, well, let me start over. Chivo tends to scan Lightning Network QR codes correctly, but when pasting in a Lightning Network invoice to the app, it tends to bug out. This may be a format mismatch between Chivo and Bit refill, but I would suspect it is happening with other LN wallets as well. Another bug when sending on chain BTC, bit, re bit refill asks the user to send a certain amount, uh, 0.001 Bitcoin, and the user in Chavo inputs that number, but then afterwards Chavo takes the fee from that, and so bit refill receives less than what was expected. This is non-standard behavior with Bitcoin wallets. The fee should instead be deducted from the remaining balance in the Chivo user's app, not the amount being sent. And this guy's like, I have a nagging feature, uh, feeling this is considered a feature, not a bug. We'll see about that. So, yeah, privacy issues, uh, other bugs going on. And you guys can read this thread. This is by Matt. Alborg. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a another derivative of a cyborg. I'm not sure. Uh, it's still Bitcoin bashed on Lightning, so no, it's not comparable to CBDC. Okay, so yeah, just more stuff you could read there. Uh, this is the Monero community's take on that uh, on the Monero Reddit forum. 
Update, El Salvador can freeze accounts and cancel transactions at the will of the government. Now, that is just so alarming to me. I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, people continue to advertise Bitcoin as being decentralized. Now, maybe the protocol is, but it's not like centralized entities can have influence on the protocol and the implementation of the protocol. So let's just read this here. El Salvador's government has halted all Chivo Bitcoin wallets after dozens of technical difficulties. And so how often is that going to happen? Um, So they can just halt all Chivo wallets. They can just shut them off. The government has full control. They can turn on or off anyone's wallet whenever they want. This is Satoshi's nightmare and an authoritarian's dream come true. Right. And so this is maybe one reason why a lot of the El Salvadorians were skeptical. Now they're going to be much more skeptical of this, right? And maybe there's going to be a bank run. Maybe people are going to rush to get their Bitcoins off of this, uh, uh, of this uh, bank ledger, I guess you could say. I mean, it seems to me like a classical gold standard bank um where everyone's got an account at this bank and when you transact it's not that you're moving assets from one entity to another it's just an internal accounting uh ledger that is being consistently updated as transactions happen if somebody wants to take their bitcoin out of the bank they look at their asset column and then they give you your bitcoin back Right. And so that to me is not exactly what Bitcoin is supposed to be about. Right. It's supposed to be peer to peer. You have your wallet. I have my wallet. And then we can transact back and forth without a third party. This is a huge third party issue. I mean, you want to talk about trustless. I don't see much trustlessness here. And so let's read some of the comments. Uh, I've already commented this elsewhere, but I'll repeat this too. On the Lightning Network, there's really a few tiers of self custody. You can have a centralized custodial wallet like Chivo and El Salvador or Blue Wallet. Then you can do a little better and have custody of your keys, but only have a channel to a centralized node. I believe that's how Moon works. The penultimate situation is to have your own node with your own channels, but do so on mobile and thus not have a copy of the blockchain forcing you to resort to asking a centralized node to monitor the blockchain. And so what he's talking about there is he's talking about uh, having watchtowers uh, watch your transactions because if you're not consistently maintaining awareness and attention on your node and how your liquidity is being used and the channels you have open, well, it could be that somebody tries to paste in, and I'm getting a little bit technical here, maybe above my pay grade, but they're pasting in maybe an old transaction ledger, uh, an old historical document, which shows how maybe they had more Bitcoin than you in this relationship where Bitcoins are going back and forth. And if they post an old invoice, then it could be that they're defrauding you. And you have to catch that in order to say, no, this isn't right. This has to be updated. But if you're not there to do that, then they could actually steal your money, close the channel and get out. Now you have a 24 hour period as far as I understand, but yeah, that's a risk. And so what a lot of people are doing now is they're hiring these watchtower nodes to keep track of the blockchain and make sure that there isn't nefarious stuff going on. And that's an extra added layer 
of burden for anyone who wants to run their node. And in the Lightning Network report, we talk about all of the stresses which are incurred by people who want to open up their own node, talking about having uh, incessant internet access. It has to be on all the time. You have to consistently monitor your liquidity channels. You have to have a whole entire um, copy of the Bitcoin blockchain uh, with the node. And so there's just a lot that goes on with running a node. And so a lot of people aren't going to have their own nodes. They're going to run custodial channels or they're going to be on custodial walls, excuse me. And finally, you can have your own node, hold the keys, manage your channels, and run a full node to verify transactions and proxy everything through Tor. That basically requires a Raspberry Pi or another small server with a terabyte of free storage. So it's beyond the reach of most, like he just said, exactly. So you need um, tech savvy. Um, awareness of what it is you're doing and what is necessary in order to maintain this node and set it up. And you also need specialized hardware like a Raspberry Pi. So he continues, sadly, as you improve self-custody, you lose on ease of use and eventually require, you know, roughly $100 worth of hardware and a reliable internet connection if you want to go all the way. And reliable electricity, right? And who knows? Is that going to be a feature of the future with everything going on? That's just my prepper nature kicking in. But, you know, you got to think about that, right? I don't think there is a way around that, to be honest. And it's valid regardless of how you scale your system. So, yeah, he goes into more detail. Uh, Also requires on-chain Bitcoin transactions. Yes, if you want to get Bitcoin onto your node, onto the Lightning Network node, you got to make a Bitcoin transaction, which, you know, depending on the network volume and traffic could be expensive. Even if they could afford the hardware and fees, they can't. The Bitcoin main chain does not have the throughput to onboard the population of the tiny country of El Salvador. Now, we've talked about this before where the math to get everybody from the Bitcoin blockchain onto the Lightning Network is a little bit fudgy. Um, If you're not using custodial wallets and having everybody be directly onboarded to the Lightning Network, as is happening in El Salvador, which is what I'm saying is, if you want to have a decentralized Lightning Network, and you want there to be a lot of nodes, and you want there to be less centralization... Okay, well, that's going to take a very, very long time. Okay, because think about this. The Bitcoin blockchain, on average, processes five to six transactions per second. And if you do the math on that, I believe that's about 288,000 transactions per day, roughly 300,000 transactions per day. And if you think about all the people that need to be uploaded to the Bitcoin blockchain, say like 25% of all those transactions are devoted to just that, getting people onboarded to the Lightning Network blockchain from the Bitcoin-based blockchain. Um, To onboard a billion people would take, from my calculations, roughly 30 to 40 years. So there would have to be direct onboarding to centralized nodes, to centralized custodial wallets, in order for this to make sense, as far as I understand. Now, if you are tech-savvy, and if you've researched this more than I have, and I've put in some time to this... Please let me know if I'm wrong about this. Please let me know if there is some other way that a lot of people could be onboarded to the network without there having to be massive amounts of 
on-chain transactions. But from what I understand, it's either you have a lot of centralization and people are directly onboarded to these centralized hubs where wallets are custodial. And this is probably going to be uh, significantly the case in third world countries uh, that can't afford uh, this kind of hardware. They don't understand all this technological sophisticated stuff, which is necessary to run their own node, uh, or maybe just get themselves set up with a wallet, uh, which maybe is non-custodial. So I imagine that's going to be the case for a lot of people. Therefore, you're going to have a lot of centralized hubs, and these centralized hubs uh, are going to be able to have you know, probably lower transaction fees than other nodes which are running, which have been set up by other people. And that's because maybe they're run by governments, and so a lot of the transactions are subsidized. Or there are big financial institutions which are trying to gobble up a lot of market share and have a lot more transactions processed through them. And so they're going to offer lower fees than the competition, and so they're going to crowd out the comp- uh, the competitors. One more thing. Those competitors... Uh, who are competing with these governments and financial institutions who could start to run these big centralized nodes on the Lightning Network, well, they're going to have to lock up liquidity in order to uh, you know, have channels maintain open status. You know, because if you want to have liquidity going through you and to pick up fees, you're going to have to keep Bitcoins locked up in those channels. Okay, And so if you're receiving not that much money because your competitors are charging low fees, if any fees at all. And then, um, you know, you're just trying to go along with the Lightning Network zeitgeist of having transactions almost be free or whatever. Well, you're not going to get that much of a return on your Bitcoin. I mean, you could loan your Bitcoin out with some of these other um, uh, companies, which allow you to uh, basically use your Bitcoin uh, to loan your Bitcoin out. I mean, you could get like 4 to 5%. Right, and I've never lent my Bitcoin before, so I'm a little bit uh, of an elementary school kid when it comes to this stuff. So, Bitcoin loaning APY. Just consider this, guys. And again, we talked about this uh, in the Lightning Network article. If you want to check that out, okay, yeah, BlockFi. That's the one I was thinking of. So, BlockFi, uh, just for quote unquote saving your Bitcoin which presumably is as uh, is as risky as maybe just locking your Bitcoin in on a channel, maybe less so because with a channel you have to monitor liquidity. We talked about the watchtowers before where you have to look out for fraud even. Okay, so you get 4.5% APY, right? And that compounds and everything like that. On Nexo, you can earn 6%. U-Holder, 4.8%. Celsius, 62 And so if you're receiving a smaller API, which is probably going to be the case, locking your Bitcoin up on the Lightning Network, then, you know, just lending out your Bitcoin to these um, uh, companies, why wouldn't you do that? So, again, that's another disincentivized – that's another – way to disincentivize people from setting up their own nodes. So I just see a lot of centralization happening on the Bitcoin Lightning Network. I think that is highly probable. And so this guy makes an argument. Uh, He says that, you know, payments can be cheap if the meme pool is empty, which has been the case the last few months. But, you know, the meme pool is not always empty. Uh, He responds. You could read this whole argument. They get pretty technical here. Um... Yeah, I mean, he talks about onboarding India. Oh, my gosh. To try to onboard India to this thing, it would be a nightmare. 
if you didn't want to just have hyper-centralization. But when you have hyper-centralization, you have a single point of failure issue, and that's what you're seeing in El Salvador. Because if somebody's got to make an update like this to the wallets, or to the wallet, there's just one single wallet, it's kind of like a monopoly, well, then the network shut down, the payment network shut down for the whole country. So just problems, problems, problems. Wonderful to welcome to the wonderful feature of the Lightning Network service providers. Uh, such a great update to Bitcoin. Much wow. <laughs> Been saying this for years. Lightning Network equals centralized KYC cuckery. Yeah, I mean, guys, just use Monero. I mean, the revolution is in Monero, guys. Monero first. The privacy coin sector is going to go nuclear and just. Yeah, so this is why I think Bitcoin as well as many other reasons we've talked about on this channel. I mean, we've been through, we must have posted at least a hundred different arguments as to why Monero is going to go nuclear against the price of Bitcoin. At some point, I imagine it soon with Haveno and atomic swaps and especially going, everything going on with digital ID and the people in power in Australia and Canada literally telling you, hey, we're going to lock you out of the economy if you don't get the stabby. Okay, like, so seriously, guys, just like the bullish case could not be bigger <laughs> for Monero and for some of these coins you're talking about. So uh, just uh, this is another argument for our thesis, right? I am laughing so hard at idiots, and I'm not saying they're idiots, right? This is a little bit bad faith, but who claim Lightning Network will solve everything like a lot of Bitcoiners. Of course, Bitcoiners will disagree with you while providing absolutely no arguments and accusing you of shilling uh, crap coins. Whenever I posted about Lightning Network shortcomings on Bitcoin, I get downvoted. Uh, yeah, there's a religious fervor. And so, yeah, there is a lot of just irrational hopium going on in the Bitcoin community. And the thing about Bitcoin, guys, is that its sole function and purpose is to serve as a decentralized, digital, efficient medium of exchange um, that is an accounting ledger that everybody can have access to seeing and validating. And if there are competitors that can do that better, then you're really having faith that the meme keeps on. Because if people catch on to another crypto like Monero being much better, especially in this environment, than Bitcoin, then people are just going to go to Monero. And like the only thing that backs Bitcoin is the quality of the information on the ledger, the efficacy with which the protocol can update the ledger and how sophisticated the ledger is and how good it is at telling you, um, you know, who owes who what. Like, essentially, we're comparing accounting ledgers here. And given that Bitcoin is not totally fungible because of reasons we've discussed around this channel a millennia of times, and Monero is fungible, and Monero is faster than Bitcoin on the base layer, uh, Monero is more private, which is good in this environment, and so many other reasons we go into. Okay, well, Monero is just a better cryptocurrency. It's better than Bitcoin, and so it's going to win. It's only a matter of time. Now, for that to happen, uh, people like us need to get out and spread the word, which is great. We have a great community here. We have great people following this channel. Um, but we need to tell people about this stuff. And it's only a matter of time. Like people, like they talk about these network effects and, you know, these network effects get established and ingrained. But look, here's the deal. 
when people see profit in another better technology, okay, and they're able to see that the gains could be absolutely epic, then they're going to make that move. And then other people are going to make that move. And then other people, like, that's what happens, guys, when you have a market which is totally run on the gains. I mean, the early adopters are typically the ones who are all about the fundamentals and they're all about the use case for Monero, which is what we are here on this channel. I mean, we see the value proposition for this crypto and for the space in general. And so we are in here because we're trying to get people to uh, build a parallel economy and establish a beachhead against the new scientific global dictatorship, which is happening and to have a way that we could survive and thrive. Now, it, it's more than gains for us. But for a lot of people who want gains, uh, they're going to look at Monero and be like, wow, Monero is actually a better cryptocurrency than Bitcoin. I can't believe it. Uh, I mean, the gains could be huge. Monero is only at a $4.5 billion market cap, and Bitcoin's almost at a trillion. Whoa, holy moly. And so people are just going to take gambles. They're going to park some of their Bitcoin in Monero. More people are going to do the same. And then there's just going to be a mad panic at one point. I'm telling you, it's going to be a panic. I don't know when this is going to happen, but there is going to be a major panic for people to get out of these major public blockchains, which are totally tracked and traced and are integrated into this new global financial system of tyranny. And then they're going to flood into these coins. And so, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else to talk about? I've been kind of ranting a little bit. Uh, I was going to talk about this story here, Saudi Arabia. Uh, arresting, and this is from a few years ago, Saudi Arabia, they arrested a lot of the princes at the Ritz-Carlton. They beat billions of dollars out of them, basically extorted them uh, so that they could get their freedom back. And this is what I always say about people who have Bitcoin, who have exposure to public blockchains and say, yeah, catch me if you can. And even if you do catch me, you can't get my cryptos out of my wallet. Well, I mean, unless they Saudi Arabia, they tie you up, beat you and say, you give us your money or we're going to kill you, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just don't want your wealth to be tracked and traced in this environment at the end of the day. So, yeah, that's all I have to say. I've been ranting for a little bit. There's more stuff coming later. Um, we could do a quick update of Trade Ogre. The markets. Pirate Chain continues to buck the trend. Pirate Chain had another good day today. Up 14% on the day. So, again, we're in this consolidation phase, guys. Just be patient. Good things happening. No big deal. And nothing's really changed from yesterday. So, I don't think we really need to update this. But, yeah, if you need more info, check out our video yesterday. And that's about it. Now, if you guys have more info on the Lightning Network, I'd love to hear it. Um... I'm always looking to learn more about this stuff. I'm absolutely open to being wrong about anything. Maybe Bitcoin's a better crypto than Monero, but that is not at all what my research says. And I think that we have incredible, intelligent talent here in the Monero community and here in the private space. And um, yeah, there's just more and more great things happening. So yeah, uh, let me know what your thoughts are and let me know what... Uh, yeah, what you're thinking. That's about it. I'm tired. I need coffee. <laughs> okay, I've been looking into this digital currency stuff all day today. 
I had a lot of sugar from Panera Bread. The candy cookies, again, are key. But, yep, that's it. Monero Mateo. Hope you guys have a great, wonderful night. Uh, check us out in the social media links. Odyssey especially. Gab, Twitter, Telegram, Patreon. Subscribe to our Patreon. Support the channel. We'd love it. Uh, donate at the address below. We got Pirate Chain, Darrow, Cardano, even Bitcoin. But that's going to be flipped immediately after I get it. We don't really dig that stuff anymore. We're not big BTC hodlers in this day and age. But, yeah help out the channel and continue to tune in subscribe we got great stuff coming and god bless take care